0: Hello. Uh, Beth, lovely to see you.
1: Nice to see you too. And welcome to everybody else who's tuning in, listening in and uh, joining us along for this ride.
0: Absolutely. We're really pleased to have everybody uh, joining us. Um, Beth, I thought we might start this week with me asking you about some news because, you know, since last week's podcast, uh, some things have changed um, for you and I wondered if you might let our listeners in on them.
1: Yeah, so I'm, uh, it's just been announced that I'm going to be moving role. So I've been the public issues and for the Baptist Union for the last three years, and um, as of September, I'm going to become the next chaplain to Regent's Park College, um, which is very exciting.
0: Okay, so um, what a I mean, so that. I don't i don't know regents particularly well right so just help me out here so so chaplain um so that'll involve what some some pastoral care a bit of stuff with the chapel will it involve some teaching as well what kind of things does that involve
1: yeah so all of those things definitely um so regents is um not just a ministerial college which is how i think most people in baptist life would know of it um but it's um a college uh with a baptist foundation that was always designed to um provide further education um, to a degree university level back in the day where you couldn't go to oxbridge if you were um a nonconformist because you could only go to oxbridge if you were anglican they provided um, education for anybody who wanted to um, go from a nonconformist background and um and so they still do have undergraduates and postgraduates as a key part of uh, their college body and um, so I would be chaplain to everybody you know all the staff um, you know as well like we um, often think of kind of colleges as being kind of maybe uh, students and, and I think it's it's also saying so, you know there's a lot of people who make sure those students can exist in college life as well and i would be their chaplain too so, um, so some of that's worship and chapel and all the kind of things that you might expect from a language like chaplain but also it'd be a lot about welfare and enabling and creating community that enables people to thrive so that the welfare isn't just for when things go wrong but making sure that things are there going right as well and people feel like this is a community that can be home whilst they're there and um yeah it's um also going to be a bit teaching um especially for the ministerials so it's going to be a really fast job i think um very excited and um Yeah, I feel like both my head and my heart are very full at the moment with all the ideas.
0: Fantastic. I'm really excited. I am really looking forward to hearing more about it as it unfolds. And I think for the students of Regent's Park and the staff, it's uh, a very exciting uh, appointment. So we look forward to hearing more.
1: And um, I, I have a story that, so David's been one of the people who has known I've been going for this role. And um, because if, a few of you may have sent it to me as a suggestion, that I might like to apply. And um, David's been one of the people who kind of uh, has reflected on it with me. And um, so you knew I was going and, and um, David sent me in the post the, for the day after I, I, I got the appointment, some, some brownies through the post and um, with a Brenny Brown quote attached to them. And I love this idea so much. I almost didn't tell this story because I think the idea of Brené Brownies is just the best pun I've ever come across and I will be shamelessly stealing it. Um, but I just, I was such a great gift. Thank you very much. I, um, It made me, it made my day. I was uh, already pretty happy. And then I got chocolate as well. So excellent work.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm glad they arrived safely. Um- I'll tell you the story of the where the brownies came from as well, um, because they came from a, a company, a bakery in Ormskirk in Lancashire, or that's roughly where the DPD depot is that deals with the deliveries. Anyway, it's in Lancashire, and um. Uh, Linda Hopkins, who you might know, and some of our listeners might know, has uh, been a, a tutor, Baptist minister, studying for a PhD-led uh, worship at council, recently an uh, all-round fabulous person. Um, it's her daughter's business. And uh, so I've been uh, following them uh, for a few years now, and uh, yeah, I like to take the opportunity to support... Uh, uh, a business being run by uh, a friend or their family or whatever um as well as uh like, yeah a bit of a bit of stuff like that arriving on the doorstep is never a bad thing i think
1: so well they were delicious so i would just like Excellent. to them. we could give them a little plug what are they called
0: little bee bakes so they've got a facebook page um as well i realize that it's a bit of an age thing i don't know if they're on uh, twitter or TikTok or Instagram or anything else, um but I I follow them on Facebook. But they are delicious. So yes, uh, hat tip to uh, Little bee Bakes.
1: And if you want to send us some free brownies for another time we're recording, an episode, <laughs> we can happily take that as influencers. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think we should put that on a. Well, you don't need a profile or a CV anymore, do you? Not for a while, anyway. I think yeah, influencer. That that could be a title we could grow into. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, freebies are totally accepted. I mean, to be honest, uh, most forms of bribery and corruption would be workable, um, especially if it involved chocolate. So uh, <laughs> that's that's fine. Um, but I thought, uh, Beth, the other thing we should acknowledge this week is that over the weekend since last week's podcast went out, we've had uh, Baptist assembly, which is very different this year because we weren't able to gather in person, but fantastic to see the numbers of people who engaged online over Assembly weekend.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal numbers. And I think um, one of the big reflections coming out of it is to think, while we've really engaged with people in church life in a way that um, sometimes Baptist Assembly can be, we send our ministers, or we maybe send our church secretary or treasurer. Uh, maybe you kind of there are kind of core people we send to Assembly and they kind of go and represent the church there. But actually this in a new way kind of engaged with with larger amounts of of the congregations because people watched it online as a church community or whatever and um um yeah and it's been hugely well received I think Shane Claiborne has been uh somebody who's been um the right amount of challenging if that's the right way of putting it um just kind of uncomfortable enough people feel they've been given a really interesting message to kind of grapple with um so yeah it's been a really interesting event and i think there's going to be lots of reflection going forward about how do we take some of that with us um mm. and what might it look like to put some bits of this online in future and continue yeah
0: on. yeah we had shane do an event for us earlier uh this year at our church and it was great really he's really engaging and say so it's a good way of being very challenging um but kind of taking you taking you with him on that challenge you know it's very winsome as well as being very challenging i think um loads i mean i, I may not be representative but seen loads of really positive stuff about the climate change uh, seminar as part of the program as well so I hat tip to the baptist union environment uh, network they're doing a, a grand job um and then in terms of uh just the podcast you know great to see uh, from episode one uh jeff become president now as well so it's president mr president as of uh this week and um, and then just before assembly started um, emma from episode two it was uh, her book launch as well so not an insignificant weekend
1: no that's good to good to think that we've been able to touch base with some people who have been part of that in baptist life yeah
0: absolutely and uh, i'm looking forward to reading emma's book i haven't read it yet but i will
1: Well, it's it's actually, I think it's still due to be released. So you just pre-order it in time. So just, yeah, give that another plug. Pastoral Theology of Childlessness by Emma Nash. And um, yeah, available from all good booksellers. I think it's cheapest on, uh, I'm not actually sure anymore. (laughs) Blackwell's, I think it was Blackwell's that it was cheapest. But it was, um, yeah, big, big plug for it. I've read read quite a lot of it. So um, I would say it's, beautifully written um really just extraordinarily well written in its both its quality and its style so i would yeah highly recommend to anybody in pastorate
0: great so i think we should move to uh our interview for this week
1: so who have we got this week david
0: well this week beth uh, we've got my friend uh, Jania Gwendu, who is just a total joy, and we met through uh, both being members of the EBA uh, Council, the EB Eastern Baptist Association Council, and we used to drive together to the meetings. So that was how we we met. And uh, well, I, well, actually, I, um is married to a Baptist minister, and uh, I ended up being asked to be his Nam mentor when he first came out of college. I got far more out of all those meetings than I'm sure he ever did. It was a total blessing to me and I'm sure as far as he was concerned, you know, something he tolerated because I had to sign some forms, you know. (laughs) Um, But uh, meeting Jania through that and then through the EBA stuff and we've we've stayed friends and uh, she's just a total joy and someone who I always feel better about life and about faith um, after I've spoken to her. Uh, so I was really pleased that she agreed to come and be on the podcast.
1: Brilliant! Well, let's listen.
0: Well, uh, Jania, hello and welcome to our uh, Something to Declare podcast. Thank you for coming on and agreeing to do it.
2: Yeah, welcome, uh, my friend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's brilliant that you've uh, been able to come and share with us this afternoon. Um, I was thinking about when we first met. Um, I don't, couldn't remember quite how many years ago it was now, but um, uh, we used to uh, jar, share journeys to uh, Eastern Baptist Association council meetings. That was where we first uh, got chatting, I think. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and you are currently um, the chair of, Trustees for the EBA. You're the moderator, no less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I thought I might start by asking you about that, if that's okay. I mean, what does that involve? Have you enjoyed it? Yes.
2: Uh, before I say anything about uh, the my role, I should uh, thank you that you've been my role model. Thank you so much. Uh, from the way you have conducted uh, the meetings as our moderator, and even the way you have conducted the uh, meetings at, as the EU Council moderator as well.
0: Oh, bless you! That's very kind. And obviously, uh, uh, a rich line of uh, predecessors as EBA moderators. Right. Uh, you're absolutely right <laughs> but I, it, I I think you've probably had a lot more challenges to face than than some just the things that come up I mean how have you how have you found the role has it been what you expected
2: it if I say it has been what um, I have expected I don't think I will give the right answer Okay. <laughs> yes I don't think you go with Uh, to a job with expectations, but in this role, I went as I am and asked God to equip me. And I would say, yes, I have really enjoyed being part of this great team, being led by our regional minister team leader, Beth. his and her colleagues and the role involves working closely to them on paper. It's more like a management role. <laughs> if you yeah. read job specifications, but practically it's working closely with them, supporting them, praying for them and, uh, discerning the mind of Christ together. They are are well-versed in their jobs, but I think they just needed to know that there is somebody who is there walking alongside them.
0: Absolutely, and it's such an interesting role because as you say, I think what it looks like in practice is quite different to perhaps what it looks like on paper, yeah. um, and it changes depending not just on, on who uh, the moderator is and the gifts and skills that you bring, but also on the team that you work with. So the team might need different things depending on um, who they are, and you've, you've, you're working with a totally different team to the one I worked with um, yeah. when I did it, so um, you have to adjust sometimes to, to your team leader and, and what they need from you.
2: Yeah, that's so true. And yeah, I, I would say uh, Beth. Yes, I know I'm supposed to be, according to paper, Beth's line manager. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, Beth doesn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all she needs is a companion, a friend, someone she can trust, someone someone she can relate to. And both of us end up saying, yes, I think we are doing the will of God together.
0: Fantastic. That's so good to hear. Um, now, as part of, as in your role, you've been based in the EBA in Langdon and then in Cambridge. Um, recently, you've moved to Ilford, I yes. think. So uh, tell us a little bit about the move and what you're your hopes for your time in Ilford might be?
2: Yes. uh, We moved to Ilford and I have to say uh, it is God who is in control of everything. Probably it will be kinder if I would start by our journey from Cambridge. Yeah, okay. Rather than just starting from uh, Ilford. Yes, we moved from Cambridge because of the church. It had, um, because of the financial situation of the church. They couldn't uh, support uh, a full time minister, so they had to serve the minister with. Um, six months notice and the minister happens to be my husband I must say it was a very very difficult uh, situation and yes I it I did not expect that I was comfortable in living in Cambridge. But uh, little did I know that uh, God has other plans. Yes, and I know I'm talking of somebody who lost his job, but let me also say, I sympathize with those who lost their beloved ones due to the pandemic. It wasn't an easy situation, to think about what the future holds we spent time praying for other people those who were losing their jobs praying for those others to get new jobs but little did i ever sit down and pray for my husband's job so when that notice came i was it came as a shock and i remember praying to god and there were so many questions rather than um as answers that god never replied to all the questions that i said and um the verse in uh, proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6 i like the um uh the message version which says trust God from the bottom of your heart don't try to figure out everything on your own listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go he is the one who will keep you in track that this ministered to me a lot and then the lesson I learned from this was to trust God and also trust his path. Because we believe in whatever way in God, it's God's will. It's God's path. So I learned that. And also the other thing that helped me was a song by Jen Johnson, which helped me pull through this phase which talks about the goodness of God. And it says, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. So with every breath that I am able, Lord, I will sing of the goodness of God. And it says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days have been held in your hands. So, from the moment I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. So, that was Cambridge. And when I look back, I just need to trust the Lord that He is with me all the
0: time it's quite a it's not an easy end to a ministry, but through it you, you have felt God sustain you and um, He's brought you to the promised land of Ilford. Um, what's it like? Uh, how are you finding it? Are you
2: settling in? I, I, I love Ilford. I love Ilford. And I will say we have settled in well. And my hopes for this community is that they know more about Jesus and his love for them. I know my minister has got this uh, saying which goes, Christians grow up in church, but they don't grow in Christ. They sing hymns, but they don't know him. So my, my hopes is to help this community to know about Jesus. The how part I will leave it to God. But all I long to do is to be the vessel that will be used for that purpose.
0: Well, I look forward to hearing more about more about it all in the, the months <laughs> and years ahead and uh, all the joys and blessings that flow from Ilford. I shall travel down the 127 to join you all.
2: Yes, please do come. Yes, I'm so excited as well.
0: Yeah. I know that... Uh, you and, and Gilson have been involved in, in doing some work on racial justice in the association, I think. Um, I wonder if I might ask you a bit about that. Um, What are some of the challenges uh, that you've seen or experienced yourself, particularly um, in church? And uh, what are some of the things you've been sharing in, in those racial justice uh, sessions and conversations? Yeah, I
2: think I will start by saying... Uh, it is pa- it is so painful to experience racism in the church because you don't expect any child of God to behave that way. I will give you a few examples. I don't know whether that's okay with you.
0: Of course, yes.
2: Yes. Um, the first one, um, we were on holiday. You know, ministers are given a Sunday off and we decided to go and visit one of the churches in the EPA on a Sunday. And when we got there, we knew the preacher. And then what he did, it was was on a communion Sunday and he invited two people to help him serve the communion. On the left side, it was the lady who stood up. On the right, it was a gentleman who stood up. And after that, he asked these two people to go and give us bread to the congregation. And then this lady came to us. And I tried to take the bread and she moved the plate away. And Gilson did the same. And the lady moved the plate away. And we thought, oh, maybe we should wait until she comes on the other side of the row. And when she came again, I looked at her, tried to take the bread. She lifted the plate high and gave everyone in the church. I turned back and looked at the whole congregation and realized we're the only two Black people in the church. It came again when it was the wine, she did the same. And then at that point I said to Gilson, I don't think I'm in the right place now. Why, Why has this happened? And then my husband, you know him very well, he just said, oh, let's just leave it. But as soon as the service finished, I said, Gilsen, I don't think this will sit well with me. Let me just go and ask the lady why she thought we were not qualified to take, to partake in the Lord's table and I approached the lady and she said oh I'm sorry we don't know you then I said I'm sorry I was listening to the preacher who said I need two people to come and help me he did not say go and give it to the people you know or go and judge other people? And the lady said, yeah, that is what I did. And little did she know that that preacher knew Gilson. As soon as that preacher realized that it's Gilson, he went and said, Reverend Gilson, welcome to our church service today. Thank you for coming. And the lady's face I I can't describe her feeling. And then she said, I'm really sorry about what happened. Can we just go somewhere in a separate room and then we can do the communion together? And we said, no, it's not the right. We are not in the right frame of mind to do that. In future, you treat everyone equally. And especially if you are invited by the preacher to serve you should have just saved and left it there. I mean, that is
0: such a sad and such a sad story, and yet a story that is also just I don't know, how, how do you process that without just being angry? I mean, how, what, do you, what, what did you do after the service?
2: The the first thing I said I need to approach, had I gone, had I left the church without addressing that, I think I would have cried. But I thought, let me resolve this issue. I wanted to know what she had seen in me. Perhaps I call myself a child of God, yet I am not. People are seeing uh, me differently. So I wanted it to address, to tell me, to help me. If there is anything that I was lacking, then I would address it so that I can be fit to partake the Lord's table in the Lord's Supper. I, just, I think as well, especially to go to another
0: EBA church and experience, you know, a, a church that's part of your own family of churches, even. I don't know. Yes. Um, I, I really resonate with what you said about um. It, it, it seems to hurt more in the church. You don't expect it in the church. Yeah. Um I think that's something that the church needs to grapple with actually is the impact that it has when it it does things like this. Um is it has a, a really profound impact on on Christians who are um on the receiving end of these uh injustices and um, of, of things like racism.
2: Yes, and uh, Reverend, and, and the preacher say, come as you are. This is a relationship between me and my God. And I know what it means to me and what it means to God. So that was so painful. So, mm-hmm. And I had to address but I don't know if you want me to share another one or yeah. that one is enough.
0: No, be good. Do do share.
2: Okay. And then there is this thing about um accent. You know, I'm sure English is not our first language, but we have tried from grade one (laughs) up to primary education, secondary education, university. It's a language that we've embraced. And then when you come to church and somebody talks about, oh, your accent. What does that mean? Is God for certain accents or is the God of every nation? It's these little things that people say that they do not realize that they have an impact on you. We try to, English is our second language. Shona is my first language. But here we are, we are conversing in English. But somebody will put you down because of your accent. On another note, we had. Uh, I used to work at the hospital, and I used to work night shifts for twelve hours, from eight in the evening to eight in the morning. But Reverend, I never missed any church service. The only time I missed the church service is when I went for my dad's funeral. But after work, after leaving work at Eight. Normally they say eight, but you leave the hospital by half past eight. And the church service will start at quarter past 10. You need to go home. You need to bath. You need to eat. You need to rest your feet a little bit. So I used to get to church about 20 past after the first or in the middle of the first hymn. After the service, somebody will say, what time is that? or they will call it Zimbabwean time. You don't know why I have come to church. You don't know my relationship with God. You pick on these little things. Do they matter? What is more important? And then last one, Reverend, to cheer you up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> we had uh, one, uh, one member of the church. In one of the churches, some churches have been good, I must say that. And there are some churches that, yes, are found wanting. Uh, we had one member of our church. He clearly said he's a racist and he doesn't like black people to the extent that he was a um, a lorry driver, that if on the cab there was a black person, he would make sure that he would drive his car towards that person. Or if there was water on the tar, he would splash that water. He would drive onto that water so that it would splash this black people. But when I went into that church and this is what he said, I said, I hope being friends with you will help you see what black people are. So he would come up with questions like, Oh, do you come from that tribe where a man carries an axe, and uh, four or five women and children follow him behind? I said, no. Not everything that you see on paper or wherever you saw it is true. So if you have anything, I would love you to ask me and I will tell you more about what we do, what we are. And to cut the whole story short, he confessed in the church that he was a racist. And he said, I thank Jania and Gilse for coming. I was lost in this area, but now I have found people that have shown me what it is to love, who do not look at the outside appearance. But look at what God has put us together for. And that is to love one another.
0: Yeah. I imagine that was quite a, a, was it quite a moving moment when he did that? It was. Yeah.
2: It was. And he went, he didn't stop there. He, Wherever he drove his taxi, he ended up being a taxi driver. He will tell people about that, that I used to hate black people. But now there's a couple that made me completely turn around. And now his taxi, he could even carry black people.
0: So it could be even as we chat this afternoon that he's in his cab telling people about you and how being friends with you and Gilson changed him
2: yes unfortunately he is late but I know sharing this even with his family they know this story yes and yeah they are happy for me to talk about it yeah
0: well and thank you for sharing it uh, with
2: us yes and I, I said sorry I said um that it's so painful when it is in the church. Can I just read something for you? Yes, please do. Okay. I'll read you this. Uh, I got this from a friend. It says, whose father is he? It says, a beggar came asking for food. I told him to come round to the back door and asked him to sit on the floor while I went in, in to bring the leftover food. I brought him food and said, let's pray. Now repeat after me, our father in heaven. He said, your father in heaven? I said, no, say our father in heaven. He again said, your father in heaven? This extremely irritated me. I asked, why do you say your father? when I say our father, he said, say, it's like this. If I say our father, then we become brothers. If we are brothers, you would invite me in through the front door and not the back. You would ask me to sit at your dining table, not on the floor. You would also not give me stale food. Say, somehow it's not possible that we are sons of the same father. He may be your father, but he can be our father. It took a beggar to teach me the truth. God becomes our father when we treat one another as brothers and sisters
0: yeah thank you for sharing sharing that I think there's uh, there's something very special in that yeah, yeah. thank you
2: yeah.
0: and thank you for being willing to share um some of those experiences because um, they're not easy um, and uh, it's it's important that we hear them and i think um it's important that as the church we we learn and grow and change and uh, and we so thank you we appreciate it very much
2: oh, thank you you're welcome
0: um my friend we're we're finishing each of our interviews by asking everybody the same two questions
2: okay. mm.
0: so i'm going to ask them to you And uh, the first one is, if you had one thing to declare to the Baptist Union in this moment, what would it be?
2: It is a word of encouragement that God is faithful. We should continually remain focused on him in times of uncertainty like this and probably Read a scripture from Hebrews 3, verses 1 to 4. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Which says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of great honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has great honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. God is the builder of our Baptist Union.
0: Amen to that. Um, And if you think... Baptists have one thing to declare to the
2: world, what would that be? Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, We really appreciate it. And uh, it's always good to see you. I always feel better after I've spent time with you. And this afternoon is no exception. Uh, to that so I hope you have a great uh, rest of the day I look forward to catching up with you again soon
2: you are welcome I hope yes you have a beautiful afternoon as well and pass my love to the rest of the family
0: so uh, Beth That was uh, my chat with uh, Jinnia a few days ago. Uh, What do you make of that?
1: Well, I think um, Jinnia's stories around racism have to be the first thing we talk about, really, um, because they're truly heartbreaking. And I find myself in moments like this kind of wondering whether words can ever really be adequate because I almost want to leave it so that we can't accidentally neaten it up because what she says is so provocative and so hard to hear I almost don't want us to smooth it out and make it okay but um or accidentally perpetuate anything I suppose um but I um I also feel like we also need to be really responsible and really listen to what she says and really engaged with it actually now because um I really I'm really struck that I think it has to be white people and those of us who those who are listening to us maybe don't know but we're both white um, and um, I think it has to be white people who start doing the emotional labour on, on racism and, and start really reckoning with that in ourselves and in our churches so that our churches change. And um, yeah, so I suppose my question is, um, how, how do you think we change churches so that people like Janir don't have to live with stories like the ones that she's told us today?
0: Wow, well, that's... Uh... Question: Lots of people are grappling with at the moment, I guess, and one of the things we've reflected on here in in my own church um, is that avoiding the conversation is is just not good enough, and and that is, I mean, the very essence of white privilege, really, is have, getting to choose whether you have the conversation or not, isn't it? Um, and we we're committed in a, a number of ways that al- almost all of which are inadequate in and of themselves, but we do need to talk and listen. Listen more than talk, but engage and think together. And I think it's knowing what to do with some of the some of the low level things. You know, I mean we were we were aware of of someone in our community who who's suffering racist abuse from their neighbours. Um it's very clear that that is outrageous and in one sense it's it's something that i can't imagine anybody not taking a stand against and doing something about but some of the other things that are a bit more insidious and a bit more subtle perhaps um can be need to be dealt with too and i think that's what's harder because it can feel like you're creating a problem but actually you're just uh, taking the dust off the top of a problem that's been there for a very long
1: time. Absolutely, yeah. I thought,
2: um, I I was just really struck from what Janine was saying about how she managed it. Um, And
1: her holiness and her anger at the same time, I think, in... um, how she had that strength to go and ask those questions like why 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 did this happen what did he do um the story of of change as well that she offered that that genuine transformation of that man's life like she gave that to him you know and i just think um his his whole life was redeemed really through her and 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 the, the way she was able to be gracious enough to say come and talk to me, you know, don't, don't just read stuff and not know where it comes from. And I just thought it it shouldn't have been hers to do, but she, she did it in such a way. I, I, um, yeah, I was just really humbled. And it made me also think I, um yeah, I, I, I've got to do better. I've got to, got to, got to help, got to help call this out, see this more. um I, and I, it's interesting because I, I was a minister of a multicultural church and I think, you know the timekeeping comments that she said Mm. yeah that got said (laughs) that got said a lot um and um yeah and just the kind of I think the differing cultural assumptions that that were there but um whether you know I think back how I would do it differently now and I I don't have any clear answers but I do think I would do it differently now and yeah I think it's about it's about grappling, isn't it, with, with your own white fragility as well? Like, I think for me, it's always a bit like, I don't quite know what to do because um, I'm, scared of make, I'm scared of making it worse. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's about owning. It's got to be about owning that, isn't it? It's about trying not to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm okay. I'm an ally. <laughs> Actually, you don't know if you are or not really, and um, just really listening and privileging a different voice. So... Mm. Yeah, I just, yeah, I want to thank her for coming and sharing those things with us and and the wider Baptist movement, because, you know, anybody who listens to her stories, I think, is going to take that away. And I just think, um,
2: yeah, thank you, and
0: And as with, I think, um, some other people we may talk to uh, on the podcast at some point, one of the things which I am genuinely thankful for is how Jania's commitment to the Baptist movement remains firm and strong, despite those incidents and that challenge and all the pain that comes from that. And uh, I mean, I, she's a remarkable gift to our, our Baptist movement. I know she's been widely appreciated as moderator of the association and part of BU Council as well. And uh, she brings a wisdom, and a graciousness to to that work Um, and it would just be so easy to get to the point of not really caring about it anymore when that's some of your experience of it and I'm just so grateful that that's not the space that she chooses to take up. Um, One of the other things that Janir mentioned at the beginning of her interview was how uh, you know, essentially, they've moved church, um, as a result of of the church that they were in in Cambridge not being able to sustain ministry because of the pandemic, um, and we trust in the the providence of God and that in in God's wonderful timing, being in Ilford at this moment is exactly where they're supposed to be, and you know, we we can take it all all that as being said, I guess, um. But I'm imagining there's probably quite a few churches for whom the financial strains of the pandemic make for difficult decisions about the future of ministry. I mean, a lot of churches rely on income from renting their buildings and things like that. Or a lot of some churches, particularly when the furlough scheme ends, might be dealing with increasing unemployment and the impact that has. But I'm imagining this won't be the only case where that happens.
1: that's definitely um yeah it's definitely true there's just so many baptist churches in that same space and if especially if you're a poorer church where um giving is not high because there aren't huge wages and and that's not where your your income comes from but actually you have a premises that's really useful for you and you can hire out very strategically or just well or just a lot whatever and and obviously that's just not happened I, i think um yeah I could probably I could probably name 10 churches just off the top of my head for for whom I know that's true just because I've been in contact with them about other things Mm -hmm. and it it comes up and then that if you think about the fact that those churches then have got no money and then you think about how that's going to impact everything else as well because if they've got no money to pay staff then they're not going to be paying other things and and how that's going to have a kind of a wider knock-on effect actually into the wider baptist life and kind of home mission funding and mm. i i it sounds a bit doom and gloom doesn't it but i think um you know i and maybe I, I do believe god you know god is not short of money <laughs> you know the gospel does not run on money <laughs> ever um and so there there'll be ways it'll work out but it's i think in this moment of kind of post covidness really um thinking about how how is this how is how is this going to go forward and the other thing i was I was struck with one of the things that Ginny has said about when she'd seen big churches supporting little churches and um and what the impact that, that has had a kind of um that she's been able to witness on a local level. And I, I really I guess my hope is that coming forward out of this, um, that maybe in some really informal partnership kind of a ways that, that churches that have actually been okay through the pandemic, for whatever reason, have maintained funding, maintained financial life and are and are doing okay there might just be a kind of intentionality about looking after each other because we are so interdependent as a union and I think we like to pretend that we're all I you know our little islands sometimes because it sort of suits us too but um we're so interdependent we would we would lose something I'm struck by what Jeff said in his um episode with you about every church um uh being wholly the church but not the whole church and um I guess I guess my hope coming out of this is going to be that uh, different churches really look strategically at partnering with each other in a way that creates really deep friendships and relationships. And and it isn't just like, oh, the big church with the money pays for the small church without any money. Or either, maybe the other way around, maybe the small church has still got its money in. It's fine, um, but 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 kind of actually saying no. There's a genuine partnership to be had. What can we gain from you? That's not just some sort of financial transaction. Um, yeah, that's a bit pie in the sky idea, but I guess that would. Oh, no, be- it really
0: isn't. It really isn't. And and I say that because um, our, our church here has has done a bit of that, and it's been wonderful. And um, I mean not that the last 18 months haven't been without financial challenges for us either. Uh, Lord knows that's not true, but actually uh, the church here has had some intentional partnerships, usually in sort of pioneering situations. Um, But actually we've tried to create genuine partnerships. So, okay, we might be able to provide some people to help sustain a church weekend, or we might be able to provide some finance or whatever. but we want to learn from those pioneering people we've partnered with. Come and push our boundaries. Come and share the stories with us. Actually, we need to learn and grow as well. And I think they've been really effective for us. We've benefited, even though if you're looking at it as an accountant, we might be the one giving out. Actually, we've got as much out of that. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that actually happens in a lot of different ways across our union very quietly. And uh, part of me loves that it happens quite quietly. There's a number of churches that pay for the church down the road to have a new boiler um, or whatever it is. I think that happens more often than the associations will ever know, more often than we will ever know. Um, and it, yeah, it's part of me loves the fact we don't know, but in a way it would be good to know this was happening as well, because I think we could have some really interesting models moving forward um and it's yeah lots of little things like that that i'm really encouraged by
1: maybe we should encourage people this week to tell those stories tell us the story yeah
0: absolutely we'd love to hear about partnerships yeah absolutely right um well beth i think it's your turn to lead us in the blessing uh this week so what well,
1: so, no, um, as ever, and perhaps particularly um, thinking of uh, Janir and um, all that, um, particularly our, our friends who experience racism who we we're going through, we, we really hold them in prayer um, as we bless ourselves out. Yes. Living God, enable us this day to be pilgrims and companions, committed to the way of Christ, faithful to the call of Christ, discerning the mind of Christ, offering the welcome of christ growing in the likeness of christ engaging in the mission of christ in the world that belongs to
0: amen um beth lovely to see you as ever and um, thank you everyone for listening and we look forward to seeing you again next week
1: see you next week bye